right, let's get up on our feet and let's praise the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, Oh, your prayer. 
your presence, Lord. Cause your presence is an open door. We want you, Lord, like never before. And your presence is an open door. So come now, Lord. Father, we welcome your presence in this place. We welcome your spirit in this place. Have your way in this place. Lord, we come here to worship and praise you, to glorify you, to magnify you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no one like you. I can search the whole world and never find anyone like you, Father. It'll never fill the hole in my life. It'll never fill the gap in my life. Oh, Cause I searched the world And it couldn't fill me I met empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough And then you came along And put me back together 
And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing is better than you Nothing is better than you And I'm not afraid To show you my weakness My failures and flaws Lord, you've seen them all And you still call me friend Cause the God of the mountains is the God of the valleys And there's not a place Your mercy and grace Won't find me again Oh, there's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing You look. 
there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Can you tell him that this morning? Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Your name, your name. 
His victory, no praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name, His victory, no praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name, His victory. Yeah. 
seated. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. God, you are victorious, God. You're a victorious God. You've won the war. You've, you've already defeated the enemy. He's gone. He's defeated. His, all his, his strength, all of his power, all of his authority has been ripped away from him. It's been ripped away from him. The blood that was shed on the cross, the, the sacrifice that was made. God, you went down and you defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose again. God, you are victorious. And you live inside of us. And there's no one, no one, no one but you, Father. No one but you.
God, it's all about you. It's all about you. Because oh. I'm going to sing till my heart starts to change. I'm going to worship 
till I mean every word Cause the way I feel And the fear I'm facing Doesn't change who you are Or what you deserve I give you my worship You still deserve it You're worthy You're worthy You're worthy of my song I pour out your praises In blessing and breaking You're worthy You're worthy You're worthy of my song You're worthy of my song And I'm gonna live Like my King is risen Gonna preach to my soul Like you've already won And even though can't see it I'm gonna keep believing that every promise you made I give you my worship you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my soul your praises in blessing and breaking you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my soul I give you my worship and you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my soul I pour out your praises in blessing and breaking You're worthy You're worthy You're worthy of my soul You're worthy Jesus, you're worthy of my soul You're worthy Oh, you're worthy Oh, Jesus, you're worthy of my soul You're worthy You're worthy And Jesus, you're worthy of my soul You're worthy Blessing and in pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no, away, you are worthy. And through it all, I choose to say, You are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll never stop singing your praise. And in the blessing and the pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no, away, you are worthy. And through it all, I choose to say, you are worthy. I never stop singing your praise. No, I never stop singing your praise. When I find
give you my worship you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my soul i pour out your praises in blessing and breaking you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my soul i give you my worship you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of it Oh 
before they began to sing that last song I was reminded of the scripture in Revelation chapter 5 it's one of my favorite places and in the beginning of it it says and I saw in the right hand of God a scroll that was sealed and the question was asked who is worthy to open and break the seal and it, it immediately goes on and says, and he looked, John looked, and he saw no one. And he began to cry. And I remember years ago, I didn't understand that. But then I realized John was there and saw Jesus glorified on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw him resurrected, and he saw him, heard him say, all authority had been given unto me. But he begins to weep, and then one of the elders turns to him and sees, says, look, see, the lion of the tribe of uh, the of Judah, the root of David, is conquered, and he can open the seals. And then further on down, it says this. And, and so when he did that, it says, And all the angels and the 24 elders before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, they began to sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals, for you were killed, and by your blood you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and priests serving God, and they will reign on earth. And verse 11 says, And then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and they, they numbered myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands singing with full voice full voice can you imagine what that sound like i mean that heavenly choir and it says worthy is the lamb who is killed who to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and then i heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all of them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then it says, and the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Folks, this is just the prelude. What we're, what we're doing right here right now is just the prelude. When we get there, we're going to join our voices. We're doing that now. We're joining our voices with them, the saints that have gone on before now. And, and, but this is warm-up. This is practice for, for, for the man. When that time comes, he alone is worthy. I said he alone is worthy. No one else, no one else, no one else. I'm so thankful for the day that Jesus came and found me. I didn't find him. He came and found me. 
He came and searched for me. He found me. How many of you are thankful for when he came and found you? And, and you know what? The angels will can bow, but they can't sing that song. Because they've never experienced salvation. They, they can't sing the song that we can. And that's why we sing, it says, in full voice. We don't go, worthy. No, we can sing at the top of our lungs. I want to sing that chorus one more time together. And can we do it in full voice? Listen, you may be saying, oh, Pastor, you don't want to hear my voice. Listen to me right now. I am so hoarse this morning. I don't care. The Bible says make a joyful noise to the Lord. So if that's what we got to do, we're going to do it. But I want us to sing that one more time. Come on. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. Father, what a privilege it is to come and gather together in the name of your Son. And know in the moment that we do that, that heaven itself comes into our midst. For the Bible says that you enthrone yourself upon the praises of your people. Father, there's not a person here today that's here by accident. There's not a person watching by way of the live stream on the internet that's doing so by accident. There's a purpose. And so, Father, we pray as we pray so many times on this day, let your kingdom come 
and your will be done in these houses of earth, these houses of clay. Each and every one of us, we just say, Holy Spirit, let the purpose of heaven, the purpose of the Father be brought forth in our lives today. For the glory of Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Why don't you turn and greet someone this morning? Welcome to Life Church. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm thrilled to see you this morning. I mean, with the even losing the hour sleep and everything, this is an enthusiastic crowd this morning. How many of you have come expecting, expecting, with anticipation, expecting? Thank you, worship team. We appreciate it so much. Again, pardon my hoarseness this morning. It's just one of those things, I guess, all that yellow pollen out there covering my car. I, I keep telling the Lord my car is dark gray, but it looks yellow green. And every, I went to the car wash the other day. Two hours later, it came out, and it was like a quarter-inch thick all the way across it. And I was like, I'm glad I have unlimited car wash right across the street. And, uh, but anyway, we're so glad to have you here this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church. It's my privilege just to welcome you. And uh, we're just believing God for great things today. But first, I just want to welcome each and every one of you. If this is your first time here, would you just, you can text that, that number on the screen, 337-317-4123, and you just type welcome. And you'll receive a text back, and you have an opportunity to just fill in that information. And, and look, we're not going to bombard you with, like, you know, we're, we want you to sign up for this or do this or whatever. It's just a way for us to connect with you and let you know, you know, uh, things that are happening here. Uh, if, if you're a regular attendee, just and let us know you're here. Can I tell you that sometimes it's easy for people to fall through the cracks because we, you know, we get busy. How many of you have busy lives? Come on. And, and even though it's not our intention, we, you know, we'll say, I haven't seen so-and-so. Where are they at? Well, um, we, we like to know where you're at, and we don't want to lose you. We don't want to miss you or anything like that. And, and I can just tell you that a lot of people think, well, Pastor, I thought you knew. And I said, I can't know if I, somebody doesn't tell me. And so, but you can, you can uh, uh, type the word or text the word connect to that same number that's on the screen. And uh, we, that way we know who are you at. And if you need prayer, look, we believe in prayer. God is answering major prayer for so many people. If you were here like two Sundays ago, how many of you remember my arm went up in the middle of worship? I could not lift it higher than this for several weeks. The pain was excruciating. Couldn't hardly sleep. And in the middle of worship, sitting, standing right there, all of a sudden, I felt that warmth in that shoulder, and my hand shot up straight like that, and it has been healed ever since. Ever since. And uh, I woke up one night, and I felt this soreness there. I said, devil, you're a liar. And I went right back to sleep, got up the next morning, 
first thing I did was raise my hand like that. I said, glory to God. So I'm trying to, when I'm worshiping, I usually go this because I'm right-handed. You know, I'm like, no, I'm going to lift this hand right here and worship the Lord. God answers prayer, and we believe in prayer. And so if you have a prayer need, type pray to that same number, 317-4123, and, and you'll receive a response. And to, and we we have a group of people that will pray. And so... Because we know that God not only hears our prayer, he answers them. Because he said, ask in my name and it shall be done. I'm just silly enough to believe that this book is true. And, and over 53 years, he has proved it in my life so many, many times. So anyway, thank you for being here. We're so glad that you are. Well, you know what? We've had an incredible weekend, Friday night, and then yesterday in our marriage conference, and uh, we were just pri so privileged to have Greg and Nancy Davis with us. H how many of you that were here for that conference went home with something, something solid? I mean, really. I mean, my, I went home, and my mind was just running like, you know, and somebody might say, well, Pastor, you've been married almost 49 years, so what? Sometimes we need to remind, be reminded of things and sometimes you learn something new or a different way of viewing it. And man, it, it was awesome. And we had so many great workers and volunteers that helped put that together. But we're honored this morning to have Greg and Nancy with us. And, and um, their story is incredible. And I'm sure uh, Greg's going to tell you about that. And so I'm going to let them come, or him or whoever's coming, and, and uh, minister to you. But I do want to say this. Um, we, we do receive tithes and offerings here. You can do that on the website. We have an app for that. You can text it, or you can drop it in the box. But at the end of this service, we will receive a special offering that will go to their ministry, okay? And so if you have to leave because of work or something like that before we finish at the end, uh, there'll be ushers at the back door, and you'll be, you can contribute that way. Or if you want to do it online through the app, uh, go on there and be sure to drop down using the menu and put just spe it'll say special offering. And if you put special offering, we'll know that any special offering coming in today is going towards them, okay? So if you see an usher back there with a little blue bag, you'll know what's going on, okay? Brother Greg, come and just make yourself at home. I know you have a word burning in your heart for the people here in Lafayette, and it is such a privilege to have you both here. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. Good morning, Life Church. So glad to be with you guys this weekend. We had a, a great conference on Friday night and Saturday and uh, just excited about all that God has done. And actually, this morning I had several people uh, basically give us testimonies about how the Lord spoke to them as a couple. And so we're very excited about that because our passion is to uh, allow the Lord to use us in any way that he can so that we can be a blessing. That's what we want to do. We want to be a blessing and be an encouragement. And so, by the way, uh, in, because of that, why don't, you, uh, why don't you give your pastor and leadership team a blessing this morning? Come on. These guys are great, wonderful leaders, wonderful pastors. 
And so we've met the rest of the staff, many of them, and great, great people here. So we're very excited to be with you today. And um, I want to, I'm going to talk to you this morning uh, on a topic. If you're a note taker, please go ahead and, uh, and get your notes out and get ready to take some notes because uh, I believe that uh, the Lord's going to give you some things today. By the way, would you welcome my lovely sweetheart, Nancy, this morning? She's with me this weekend. And uh, so it's an interesting story because uh, last summer we celebrated uh, our 41st wedding anniversary. We've been married 41 years last summer, and this coming July will be 42 years. But the interesting thing of our story is actually more than that. The interesting part is that last month on Valentine's Day, that was the 52nd Valentine's Day since the first Valentine that I gave her in the second grade because we've been sweethearts since the second grade and so we were sweethearts on and off mostly on all the way through elementary school junior high once we got to high school we dated exclusively never dated anybody else and got married about six weeks after we graduated from high school and then moved to Springfield Missouri to go to Central Bible College and uh, and so anyway uh, we have been together a long long time and uh, and God has really, really blessed us in many ways, but we've also gone through a lot of storms in life. So the title of what I want to share with you this morning is Navigating the Storms of Life. Anybody in this room ever been through a storm in your life, a, a, a problem, a situation, a crisis, uh, an adversity? Well, guess what? That means that you are a human being because every person on the planet has either been through a storm, they're going through a storm, or there's one brewing up. And so we need to understand that Jesus told us that in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so I want to talk to you this morning about navigating the storms of life. And to set that up, I'll give you a, basically a very, very brief version of our story and our testimony. Uh, after eight years of infertility and struggling to try to have children, uh, the Lord answered our prayer, and our son Colton was born, and we were so excited and just so thrilled, and all of a sudden it seemed like life was perfect. But that perfection actually only lasted about two hours, because two hours later when I went to the nursery to bring him back to the room, he was not there. And so I was knocking on the window of the, of the nursery in the hospital, and a nurse came out, and I said, where is Colton Davis? And she said, didn't anyone tell you? And I said, tell me what? She said, he had to be rushed to intensive care. And so I ran down to intensive care and, uh, and saw him, and he was covered with wires and tubes and machines and all kinds of things. And, and, uh, and so uh, the nurse there in intensive care said, we know that he has serious heart problems. We don't know what they are. But we know that he's got serious, very serious heart problems. And she said she was trying, she was going to try to encourage me, but it wasn't, it wasn't encouraging. She said, we think that he's going to survive in the ambulance to get to the children's hospital. And so immediately I thought, his short-term survival is that precarious. And so anyway, later, uh, later on, like a day later, we found out that Colton was born with five heart defects, some of them absolutely extremely serious and they were all working against each other and so he had his first heart surgery when he was seven days old 
He had a second major open heart correction. The first one was just provisional to try to keep him alive long enough to, to, to grow a little more and, and to kind of have a little more for the heart surgeons to work with. And uh, so when he was 17 months old, he had a very complex, very dangerous, very risky, very difficult heart surgery. And, uh, and so they tried their best to try to co correct the things as much as they could. And uh, about a year after that, Nancy almost died with an autoimmune disease. Her, her immune system got confused and started attacking her blood platelets, and her blood got so thin that it was literally seeping out her organs as she was bleeding to death internally, and we didn't know it. And so she was literally, by the time we got her to the doctor, uh, she passed out, and we didn't know that was going to happen. And they rushed her over to the hospital and basically said, if you had been 20 minutes later, she would have died in the car. And so I don't know if you've ever driven in Memphis, Tennessee, where we're from or not, but you can easily get stuck in traffic for 20 minutes in Memphis. And so <laughs> it was so gracious, and we were grateful that the Lord didn't allow us to get stuck in traffic that day. But she was bedridden a very, a very big percentage of the time for six months. And it was about six months before the doctors would even say to her, we think you're going to survive. And so they said, if you do survive, you're going to have to take a lot of this medicine and this medicine and this medicine and this medicine and this medicine. If you survive, you're going to have to have all these medicines to try to stay alive. And so anyway, after a few years, she kind of recovered a little bit back to normal life and uh, sort of normal. And uh, then we were praying about expanding our family, and the Lord directed us to adopt an orphan from China. And so we prayed about it. The Lord led us to a specific child, and we... Uh, Nine months after Colton's third open-heart surgery, when he was eight years old, we boarded a plane to China and went, and they placed our little princess, Anna Grace, in our arms, who had just turned one year old two weeks before we got there. And we, I bonded with her. We bonded with her immediately. I mean, I literally went to tears the next morning, less than eight hours later, and realized I would give my life for this child right now. I would take a bullet for this baby. And so we knew that she was destined to be our daughter. And we were so excited. And then when we got back home to Memphis, 30 days later, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so she had a 12-hour emergency brain surgery. She had a, t a brain tumor the size of a lemon on her brain stem, and that's a pretty big tumor for a baby's cranium. And uh, anyway, they said she had less than a 15% chance of survival at all. And so she, she went through a year of chemotherapy and radiation at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, which you have heard of, I'm sure. And uh, she had less than a 15% chance of survival. And they said, if she does survive, if she hits that 15% chance mark and she does survive, she will probably never walk, talk, feed herself, or be able to live any kind of a normal life. That's what they shared with us because that's what they thought. And so anyway, that was another situation. And after that, within about, let's see, within eight years after that happened, Colton endured three more open-heart surgeries, and he had six open-heart surgeries by the time he was 17 years old. The last two open-heart surgeries were in the same week because of a major complication. I don't know another person on the planet that's had two open-heart surgeries in seven days, but Colton did when he was 17 years old, and he had an amazing attitude about it. I, we were torn up about it, and he was encouraging us and I thought, man, I'm ashamed of myself to have to be encouraged by a 17-year-old son who's going through this like crazy. And so anyway, went through some other stuff, some other scares and things like that. And in, in, uh, in November of 2021, 
I was leaving the gym from lifting weights, trying my best to be in great shape and healthy and all those kind of things, and I passed out and had a massive heart attack and almost died twice that night and uh, got five cardiac stents. And then three months later, I was diagnosed with two brain aneurysms. And so all of the things that I just told you happened while we were doing our very best to serve God and fulfill his call on our life to ministry. The, the majority of what I just shared with you happened over the last 25 years while I was pastoring Cornerstone Church in South Haven, Mississippi. One of the biggest miracles in our life at all was that Cornerstone Church grew exponentially. And it's a miracle. I can't take credit for that because I was so distracted. I can't, it, was, it was a God thing. <laughs> it was the Lord that did it. We actually went multi-site, planted a campus in Tupelo, Mississippi, and that campus exploded and seen thousands of people receive Christ. And, uh, and so it, it was an amazing thing that God allowed the church to grow because I, every time I turned around, I was fighting for somebody's life in my family. But, uh, but I'm going to give you the good part of the testimony, and that's this. Even though the odds were against every single one of us, even though the doctors thought none of us was going to survive, God has the last say on anything that happens. No one can override what God is going to do. And so I want to show you, go ahead, oh, that's me, I'm supposed to be doing it. Uh, I want to go ahead and show you, uh, this, is, uh, this is our a family picture there. Uh, this is Colton on the right-hand side, and there's Anna Grace there. Uh, and so that if you're wondering who the one photobombing us in the back, that's Abe Lincoln. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the, you know, the Lord brought every storm that God brought us to, he brought us through in victory. And so, and the thing about it is, Colton, even though they said he didn't know if he's going to live or not, uh, he has been, most of his life, he's been in incredible health. And now he is, you can put him on your prayer list because he actually is having another heart cath this coming week. And uh, we are praying that, that it will be successful because if it is, that will, he, will have to, he will be able to avoid the potential of a seventh open heart surgery uh, coming up soon. So please pray for, for Colton. But uh, anyway, so he's been in great health. Many of his years, he's been athletic. I mean, think about that. Athletic. And, and uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Nancy is in incredible health. She is in far better health than they said she would ever be in. As a matter of fact, in many aspects, she's in better health than she was when she, before she got sick. And all the medicines they said she would have to take to keep her alive, she takes virtually none of that because God has healed her body. Anna Grace, who was not supposed to live at all, and if she did, they said she would be a mental vegetable and not be able to do anything. She has, she has completed three years of college. She is an amazing young lady. You would not think she'd been sick a day in her life. And if you met, if you met Anna Grace or you met Colton, you would love both of them immediately because they are both the most beloved employees where they work. I mean, they're both of their bosses say, they're the only person here that everybody loves. And so uh, anyway, so God has really blessed us and brought us through the storms. And, and a few years ago, I was, I've always known that I was going to be writing books. The Lord showed me that a long time ago. I've been keeping a devotional journal since 1988. But the Lord showed me that I was going to be going into a season of writing books and basically traveling and bringing his word to places where he opens the door. And uh, in, in summer of 2019, the Lord showed me that the reason he allowed all of this stuff to happen in our family was everything I thought was trauma and trial and tribulation, God viewed as training. 
And he wanted, when I, when I was praying that morning, he, he showed me and he said, I have allowed all of this because from the testimony that you now have of what I've done in your life, you are, I'm going, he said, I'm going to launch you from that testimony into a ministry in which you will reach more people with the gospel of Christ than you have ever reached in the last 37 years of local church ministry that you have been in. And so everything that I thought was just horrible, 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 and everything that made me question, Lord, why... He allowed it because he had a major purpose in, in mind. And I want to share with you this morning um, the lessons that God taught us. And so if you want to go ahead and, and turn in your Bibles with me, you know, in the Scripture, many times God allows a storm, not necessarily weather, but a storm to prepare his people for something greater on the other side of that storm. And this is a perfect example of that. If you'll turn uh, with me to... Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. And this text actually follows right after the feeding of the 5,000, that account in Matthew. And it's very, it's very full of powerful treasures of truth. Too much for me to be able to share with you in a single message or even in a, in a sermon series. But uh, the Lord has some things this morning. This passage has been used throughout the years to encourage us and to teach us many lessons that helped us not only survive, but actually to thrive through the storms that God has allowed in our lives. And so anyway, let's, let's roll through this. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Remember, this was right after the feeding of the 5,000. He made them immediately. He said, get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And so, let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you. Lord, for the fact that no matter what storm brews up in our lives, you are the one that can absolutely dominate 
and navigate over anything in our lives. And I thank you for the truth that you're going to share with us this morning, the seeds of eternal truth through your word. Lord, I thank you for the anointing as we worshiped you, the Holy Spirit that empowered us to be able to worship in spirit and in truth. And that same Holy Spirit is the one that inspired the words that we've just read. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would plant the seeds of truth in our hearts today. Let those seeds take root in us. Let them grow and let them produce the fruit of transformation, the fruit of victory, the fruit of healing, the fruit of change, the fruit of growth. And we thank you for all of that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, all right, if you're taking notes this morning, the first idea that we're going to talk about would be the priority of perspective. So you can go ahead and write that down. I do want to uh, let you know that uh, there's as I, as I mentioned to you, I know, I've known for a long time that God was calling me to write books. And, uh, and so the first one was released last, no, uh, last September, uh, and it's called Standing Strong in the Storm. Uh, these will be available to you at the book table after the service today. The subtitle is Cultivating Resilience in Times of Trouble. Now, this book is not just a memoir. It's not just a story of our, uh, 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 you know, our story. The first chapter is, the, is about the day that Colton was born. But the majority of this book is a very deep drill down into this text and some other storm stories in Scripture because God called me to write this to be able to share with other people the lessons he taught us that helped us not just survive but thrive in the middle of tsunamis of storms in our life. And so I want you to be able to not just survive but thrive no matter what storm brews up in your life. And so what we're going to do is share these lessons with you. I'm going to preach the core message of the book, but there's way more in the book than I can share today. And so that's the, that's the majority of what's in here is the lessons that God taught us and that we are supposed to share with other people. That's our calling right now. And so also, if you'd like to check out my website, Greg Davis Online, uh, you could go on there and sign up for a weekly devotional blog or maybe every other week, whatever, something like that. But let's get into the, let's get into the word this morning, the priority of perspective. I'm sure that you've lived life long enough to realize that it makes a really big difference how you look at things and how you perceive them. And so this is a major priority that we have to, we have to focus on. The focus for this point is the instruction that Jesus gave his disciples. Everybody say instruction. The instruction that Jesus gave his disciples. In verse 22, he said, get in the boat, go on to the other side. He said, go on to the other side. Now, on the surface, it just seems like that's just a pretty simple directive. Just, no, you know, just like, okay, it's just, a, it's just a, a simple directive, nothing going on. But as the scene develops that we just read, you realize there's way more going on than what they were expecting. In the original language, I tell you what, I want to, I want to encourage you. If, you. if you don't read the scriptures every day, I want to encourage you. There is treasure in this word that is amazing and that so many times we just skim over it and we miss so many things. I want to encourage you, don't just read the the Bible, study the Bible. It is a treasure trove of eternal truth, and it will transform and change your whole life. And, uh, and so in the original language, in the Greek, here the, the, the phrase that's translated as crossover to the other side, that comes from a Greek word that has a root word that it comes from that means this. It means to pierce through something and go farther than you've ever gone. Now think about that just a second. If you have to pierce through something, what does that mean? That means that there's a barrier that's going to come up. And essentially, 
He was, you know, this, he may have, they may have thought, hey, this is, just a, this is just a surface thing, but I believe when we dig down into the Word that God is showing us something here, that we need to identify the barriers that could hinder us from moving forward and hinder us from obeying the Scriptures and obeying what God is telling us to do. By the way, God is always calling his people on a journey. Can you think of any time in the scripture where the Lord said, I just want y'all to sit here and be satisfied and stagnate? No, no, he doesn't say that. His calling on our lives is to move forward. It's to grow. It's to, it's to cross over to the other side. And so I want you to understand something. That wasn't just what Jesus was saying to them. That's what he's saying to us. His calling on our lives is to pierce through any barrier that tries to keep us from becoming what he has destined us to become, to pierce through any hindrance that tries to keep us from growing closer and closer and closer to Christ and more like Jesus and to go farther than we've ever gone. So you are called on the same journey this morning. He's called us to grow in our faith, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, to become the very best version of ourselves that he envisioned when he created us. And so we're not supposed to just sit and be satisfied and stagnate. We're always supposed to go to the next level. But you have to, there's one thing that's very key to be able to do that. When you, we all know that when you're going through problems, we don't like it. We don't like resistance. We don't like when things are, when the wind is blowing against us and keeping us from moving forward. We have to monitor our mindset. I want you to say that with me. Monitor our mindset. This is a key. It is a key that helped us to navigate these storms. And so I want you to understand we can't live because if our mindset is a mindset of all I want in life is just to be comfortable, to have a smooth ride, just to have fun and enjoyment, you're going to be very disappointed because you can't live your life with that mindset. If you live your life with a comfort mindset, you're going to be upset all the time. We have to monitor our mindset. The disciples were sent into this storm. And so many times in our lives, the pathway that we walk, if we're even if we're walking with it, this is the thing. Now, we've all caused some storms in our own life by doing some dumb stuff. We've all made sinful decisions and stupid decisions that caused a, a, a tragedy or a storm in our life. But I'm going to tell you what really messes with you is when you're doing your best to walk in his will and to serve him 100% and that pathway takes you into a tsunami, that will mess with you and you have to monitor your mindset. James 1 verses 2 and 3 says, we should count it all joy when all kinds of crummy stuff is happening. That's my paraphrase. <laughs> when all kinds of trials and tribulations are happening in our lives. We have, there's only one way you can do that. You have to monitor your mindset. Now, I want to do something with an illustration that I would imagine you have never had anyone from a, from, from a, a pulpit ask you to do before. Take your cell phone out. Everybody, cell phones out. This is an illustration that will help you to latch on to a principle that you need to understand. Take your cell phones out and go to your photos app. Everybody, go to your photos app and choose one picture. Now, don't spend a whole bunch of time. Just pick one quick, okay? Uh, choose one picture that you're going to look at for the next few moments. Now, uh, as I said earlier, I've, Nancy and I have been together for 52 years, and I already can tell you 
what's there's a dog. She's looking at a dog. Uh, she loves. She's a dog lover. She's looking at a picture of a dog. Is that the one with the big old nose? Yeah. Okay. All right. A different one. Anyway. All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the picture you've chosen, and I want you to study the details. What's in that picture? Look at the center. Look at the top. Look at the bottom. Look at the right side, left side. Look at all the corners. As if, I want you to try to, to make a list in your mind of things that are in that picture, details that are in that picture, as if I was going to give you a quiz after the service is over with, okay? All right, I'm going to give you five more seconds to do that. Four, three, two, one. All right, now, here's what I want you to do. How many of you think you've got a pretty good idea of, of what's in that picture? Okay, three of you. All right, let me give you two more seconds. Two, one. All right, now, how many of you think you've got a pretty good idea of what's in that picture? Thank you very much. Now, take your two fingers and zoom in on that picture just as far as your phone will allow you to zoom. Now, I have a follow-up question. Here's the question. Can you still see everything that's in that picture? Why can't you see everything in the picture? Because you've zoomed in on one little aspect of that picture. Here's how we monitor our mindset. You can't, when, when a crisis comes up in our life, it's human nature that causes us, our attention, to zoom 100% onto that crisis. That's what we think of, that's what we look at, that's what we observe, that's what we're perceiving. And so if you're not careful, you will only focus on the crisis during the time of a storm. But here's what we have to do. We have to zoom back out. This is one of the things that helped us navigate all these storms. If all, if all we had ever thought about was the crisis of the moment, then you can imagine how much crisis we would have been thinking at, about over the last few decades. Because what I told you was basically a very a thin version of everything that we've gone through. But I'm going to tell you something. We had to, the Lord showed us. We couldn't just think about the crisis. We had to zoom back out. Because when you zoom in on that picture, it doesn't erase everything that's in the picture. It just means you can't see it anymore because you're not looking at it. And so what the, what the problem is that when we zoom in on a crisis, we forget about the fact that there's a lot of God's blessing still in our life. There's a, a lot of his power, a lot of his protection, a lot of his provision still in our lives. And so when we zoom back out of our crisis situations, even when Colton was born, we saw the blessing of God, the power of God, the healing of God, all these things that was still in our lives, and that helps you monitor your mindset if you look at the big picture and not just zoom in on that trouble point. This is a strategy of Satan that has started ever since the Garden of Eden. Why do I say that? Because when Satan entered into the Garden, he was able to tempt Eve to, to ignore the big picture, the fact that they had access to every tree in the Garden, and he caused her to zoom in on the one tree that she could not access. And that was actually the first strategy of Satan that caused sin in humanity. So don't let it happen to you. Zoom out and look at the big picture. When you do, you're still going to see a lot of blessing, a lot of God's wonderful provision, protection, and power in your life. And so the priority of perspective is hugely important. Number two is the priority of perseverance. 
The focus for the first point was instruction. Oh, yes, I forgot. I was supposed to do this. <laughs> the priority of perseverance. The, the focus of the first point was instruction. The focus of this one is obstruction. The obstruction that hindered their progress, the storm that blew up. And so they were well acquainted with storms. They had been out on that Sea of Galilee over and over again. Many of them were fishermen before they began to follow Christ. Let me, let me give you a key point here, and that's this. And you know this because you could probably make a list of people that you know in your life that would fit both of these categories. Some people are ruined by their storms, and other people are refined by them. Some people are ruined by them. And they never, we probably, I know people that went through storms 30 years ago and they never moved on. I also know other people that have gone through incredible, incredible, incredible trials, but they have been refined like gold and silver in the fire. And they have become more valuable to God's kingdom than they ever thought they would be. And so the priority of perseverance is incredibly important. How you navigate the storm, how you do it, will determine whether you're ruined or whether you're refined. Whether you get weaker or whether you get stronger. Whether you get bitter or whether you get better. And so navigating the storms of life God's way is what the Lord is, is helping us to, to share of how he taught us all these things. We don't like it when the winds blow against us. Nobody does. Our human nature doesn't like it. But we need to understand that facing resistance against obstructions is a normal part of life. We've already talked about it. Jesus said you're going to have trouble. I used this illustration, I think, yesterday. I'm not really, if I, if I did or not, I think at the marriage conference. But anybody in here go to the gym and work out? Okay, a few of you. All right. Anybody here know somebody that goes to the gym and works out? Okay, that's almost everybody. Let's go for 100%. Anybody in here ever heard of a gym? <laughs> there we go. That's all of us. Okay. What... When you go to the gym and you work out, how do you get stronger? You get stronger when you overcome the resistance of the weights. But you have to do it with the proper form to avoid injury. And so when you overcome the resistance of the weights, let's just call it a bench press. When you overcome the resistance of the weights over and over and over with the proper form and you're able to get stronger, then you put a little bit more weight, a little bit more weight, a little bit more weight. What happens? You get stronger and stronger and stronger and your capacity and your strength grows beyond anything it's ever been. We understand that in the gym, but we have a hard time understanding it in life. Because the same principle is true. When you overcome the resistance of adversity in your life and you overcome it with the, right, with the proper form so that you don't get injured in your spirit, when you overcome the, the, the adversity, when you overcome the resistance of adversity over and over and over again, what happens? You get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and your capacity and your strength grows more than you ever thought it would. And so that happens to us, and that's one way that God helps us to get stronger and more mature in our lives. So we have to commit to never quit. Let's make that a big choir, uh, a choir statement together here. Ready? You're in the choir. Okay, here we go. Let's commit to never quit. One more time. Commit to never quit. You've got to monitor your mindset, but you also have to commit to never quit. 
The disciples were battling against this storm for probably 13 hours, 12 to 13 hours. And then verse 25 says that Jesus appeared to them walking on the stormy lake. There's some things that the Lord showed me years ago in this passage. This is one of my favorites. And some things that has helped us to navigate our storms. And I want to share a few nuggets with you today. What are some things that, that, are, that are really cool to see here? The Lord showed me this. In verse 25, Jesus appeared walking on the stormy lake out to the middle of his disciples when they were in the storm. So what the Lord showed me was that one morning I was praying, and he said, one thing I want you to know about this, he said, why, does it, why is this recorded in the Scripture? He says, because when he comes walking on the stormy seas, one of the things that, that we should understand about that is nothing can stop Jesus from coming to you in your storm. If he has to totally, totally dominate all the laws of physics, all the laws of nature, he's going to get to you in your storm. Nothing can stop the Lord from coming to the aid of his people when they're in their storms. And so I want you to be encouraged by that. You're not going to have to go through your storms alone. You're not going to have to go through them alone. Nothing can stop him from getting to you. And the greatest threat to the disciples, even though the wind was scary, the greatest threat to the disciples was not the wind. Their boat was out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And the waves, the wind was blowing against it. The Bible says it was buffeted by the waves and the wind. And that word actually in the Greek means tortured. So it was tough. And so anyway... They were, the waves were crashing. The greatest threat, track with me here, the greatest threat to the disciples was the waves that were crashing against the boat and threatening to get too much water in the boat so that the boat would sink because they knew if the boat sinks, we're dead. If it sinks, we're dead. We can't. They were too far from shore to be able to swim back, especially in a storm. And so the Lord showed me this little nugget one day when I was praying. Their greatest threat was the waves crashing against the boat. So Jesus came to them. He was walking on their greatest threat. The thing that threatened them, the thing they were scared of, the thing they thought was going to kill them, he was walking on it to get to them. And what was he showing them? He was showing them that whatever you're scared of, whatever is threatening you, whatever you think is going to take you down is under my feet. It is under my authority. And there's no storm in any of our lives that he can't walk all over. He can stomp those waves if he wants to. And so it showed me one morning, man, he's walking on their greatest threat. And so uh, we'll not, we're never going to face any storm that he can't walk all over. And here's another little thing that you need to understand. Boats don't sink when waves crash against them. They only sink when too much water gets inside. This goes back to monitoring your mindset. It's more important what happens inside of you than it is what happens to you. And if we're not careful, the enemy will try to ruin us when we go through problems. But if we monitor our mindset and keep our eyes on Christ and keep our trust in him and understand that no matter what we think, what we're going through, he can dominate it, he can walk on it, and he is going to come to our aid, then we can monitor our mindset and we don't let that stuff get on the inside of us. We don't sink. And so I just want to encourage you, don't let it get inside. You monitor your mindset and commit to never quit. Here's another little pull quote. There's a version of it in the book. 
We have to train ourselves to gaze at the blessing and glance at the pain. That's part of monitoring your mindset. You can't just stare at the negative. You've got to, you've got to stare at the blessing of God in your life and keep your attention on that. And so Jesus comes out. He's demonstrating total dominance over the, over the seas, over the storm. And he comes out, and then he's not only demonstrating it, he declares it. He says, they said, it's a ghost. He goes, I pr he probably rolled his eyes. Uh, but he said, it's a ghost. He said, no, 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 no. He said, no, take courage. It is I. Well, the phrase in the Greek there that's, that's translated as it is I is in the, here's a really cool thing. In most places in the New Testament, those words, ego in me, in the Greek, are not translated, it is I. In many places in the New Testament, those same words in Greek are translated as I am. Now you think about what those Jewish boys in that boat thought when he comes walking on waves and says to them, I am is with you. Don't have to worry about it. I want to encourage you something. When you're in the middle of your storm, the great I am is coming to you. He can be with you. He can get to you. He can help you. He can rescue you just like he did the disciples. And so we have to persevere. We can't give up. And so anyway, Peter said, Peter had the gift that some of us have. We always speak first. <laughs> sometimes before our brain is engaged. Uh, but anyway, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. This is another nugget of truth. Jesus said to him, you read, this, you read the scripture with me. He said, come. And then the Bible says, I want you to remember the sequence because this is important. The Bible says that, okay, after Jesus said, come, then Peter, three things. He got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. That does not describe one step. That doesn't mean he, st he stepped out of the boat and started to sink. He took, I don't know how many steps he took, but those three phrases don't describe just one step. That means he walked several steps to get towards Jesus. And so here's the cool thing too. When he stepped out of the boat, he was walking on the water, but there was one more thing he was walking on. He was walking on the word that Jesus spoke to him because the Lord gave him permission to step out in faith. And if he had not had that permission, if Jesus had told him, no, stay in the boat, then Peter would have fulfilled the meaning of his nickname and sank like a rock. But it was, that one word, that one word from the Lord was powerful enough to buoy him up against the stormy waves and help him walk over it. And here's another thing, too. When he obeyed the word of the Lord in his storm, it put the storm under Peter's feet, not just under Jesus' feet. And so that you may be wondering, why are you saying this? Because in the very first storm, after the eight years of infertility, the Lord spoke a word to our lives. As a matter of fact, you have it out here on the wall in the lobby. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. And so plans to, you know, plans to give you hope and to give you a future. The Lord spoke that word to us when Colton was born. Now, this was back before iPads and tablets and all that kind of stuff, but we were so grateful that someone invented sticky notes. 
And so, and so literally, we wrote those, those scriptures on sticky notes and put them on the mirror in the bathroom so that we would have to see them when we got ready in the morning. We put them on the refrigerator in the kitchen. We put them on the dash of the car because cars did not have screens back then. And we made sure that we always caused ourselves to focus on the word that the Lord gave us. And every time we came through a storm, every time we incurred, every time we incurred something, every time we, we came to this next problem in our situation, we would ask the Lord, what is your word to walk on in this storm? And you need a word to walk on if you're going through a storm. You need to get alone with Christ. You need to get alone with the word. You need to let the Holy Spirit speak to you what he is giving you to empower you in that storm. And so that's what he did. When Peter was walking on the, on the word, Jesus gave him supernatural traction because he was walking in obedience. But when he lost his focus and he got surrounded with distraction, he lost his traction and began to sink, just like many of us do sometimes. But again, the Lord saved him. Peter said, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. There are three words immediately in this text that are very, very important. How did Peter, how did Jesus grab Peter's hand immediately? The Lord showed me this. Because when Peter lost his focus, he must have been just one step from Jesus. Think about it. How many times do we let the devil distract us when we are so close to victory that we don't realize how close to victory we are. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Don't lose your focus. Don't lose your traction. Keep your eyes on him. And, but even if you do lose your focus and you cry out, Lord, save me, guess what? He reached down immediately and pulled Peter back up out of those waves. Is there anybody in this room that the Lord has pulled you up out of something you were sinking into in your life? We've, we, I'm sure that there's people that have been, have been sick into depression, sinking into addictions, sinking into all kinds of situations, but he is the one that rescues us of what we were sinking into. And so that's what happened. And so we're so excited that this is the Lord that we serve. And uh, so we got to keep our focus on him. And the Bible says they climbed back in the boat. How did they climb back into the boat? Because they walked back to the boat. Think about it. They walked back to the boat. I've heard preachers preach on this text, and they just made Peter sound like he was just a stupid idiot and, and a total failure. This was more victory in Peter's life than it was failure because he only sank for a split second, but he walked for a whole lot longer than that. And so if you think, we, we got one of the things about monitoring our mindset, we can't just focus on our failures. We also have to focus on the victories that God has given to us. That's part of the big picture. But the other cool part about this is, you know, that in the Olympic sport of water walking, Peter still holds the silver medal. So, <laughs> Jesus got the gold, but Peter still holds the silver medal. So what does that mean? That means we have to focus also on the victories that God has given us. The Bible says in verse 33 that when, those, when they climbed back in the boat, those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, truly you are the Son of God. This was the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew records the disciples actively worshipping Christ. 
first time. This is also the first time, there are others, but this is the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that Matthew records the disciples declaring, Jesus, you are the Son of God. The day before this, they had witnessed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, but they didn't declare that he was the Son of God the day before, and they didn't worship him actively the day before. So why is that? Because when the Lord rescues you from a storm that you thought was going to take you out, your faith is going to shoot to the highest level it's ever been. And that's exactly why God allowed this storm. It was the whole purpose of it. And so, anyway, I think I forgot something. <laughs> I forgot to, to click and tell you what point three that we've already been on for a while. And that was the priority of purpose. My bad. Uh, that was the priority of purpose. That was the whole purpose for this event, was so that the disciples' faith could be built to a whole new level, and God had greater things on, on, in store for them on the other side. And when you read what happens on the other side when they got to Gennesaret, it was an amazing thing. Every single person that they brought to Christ was healed. Every single person was healed. Now, it's a blessing to get a filet of fish happy meal for free, <laughs> fish and loaves. And, uh, but, uh, but it's more of a blessing to have your whole life trajectory changed by healing. But here's another little nugget. Now, I don't, I don't want to mess you up. I, I'm a geek Greek, but here's another thing. There are a few people that were healed at the feeding of the 5,000, but the word healing in that verse is the word is the Greek word therapuo, from which we get the word therapeutic or therapy, and it basically means just a physical healing. But I want to share a nugget. The word that was used for healing, it still says healing, but the word that was used for healing on the other side of their storm when they landed is the word diazozo, and it means to bring, safely through, bring someone safely through a danger and to save them thoroughly. So what this means is that on the other side of their storm, they weren't just seeing physical healing. On the other side of their storm, they were seeing people saved. They were seeing whole people's life trajectory change. They were seeing people's lives revolutionized by the power of the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? That means when you monitor your mindset, and it means when you commit to never quit, God has plans for you on the other side of this storm that you will blow your mind. He wants to use you in a greater way than you ever thought possible. And there's a verse that, that is, a, is a, a helpful illustration of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this. We give praise to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort other people with the same comfort that God has given to us. What does that mean? When he brings you through a storm, he is setting you up for an opportunity to minister to other people who are going through that same kind of tribulation and storm. And he wants you to be a witness for him in those people's lives and help them navigate their storm and keep their eyes on Jesus. And there's one other little quick nugget. I don't know if you're hungry yet or not. But uh, Jesus has power to bring, every, bring us through every storm that threatens us. And we should trust 
and obey the Lord even when we don't understand our circumstances. But now I want to surprise you with a picture you weren't expecting to see. Anybody recognize this? <laughs> yeah, it's where you live. Uh, but uh, anyway, this, the, a couple of weeks ago, I was praying early on one Sunday morning, and I was about to preach in Houston, and the Lord showed me something that I had already seen. I've been teaching what I'm about to show you right now for a long time, 15 years at Cornerstone. But the Lord showed me this. Remember this scripture. In Ephesians 1, 7, says, In whom we have redemption. Say redemption. In, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, we know that redemption means it's, it's buying back. It's, it's repurchasing something. It's winning someone back. It's, it's, he has redeemed us. It means to be released because of a payment of ransom that was made for you. But there was something that I noticed that morning I was digging in. And this word, redemption, in the Greek the word emphasizes not only the redemption, but also it emphasizes the distance between the one who was redeemed and the stuff that used to enslave them. Anybody remember a scripture in Psalms? I think it may be a Psalm 103, where it says that, that the Lord will cast our sins as far as the East is from the West. How many of you have ever read that scripture? You remember that scripture? How many of you, he said, the Lord is going to take your sins. When you repent, when you confess, he will take your sins and cast them as far as the East is from the West. And one morning as I was praying, I was thinking about that. And I said, Lord, why did you choose East, West? Why didn't you just say North, South? Think about it. You're looking at the picture of the earth. If you were in the orbit around the earth going North to South, let's just say that you start at the South Pole and you're going up, 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 up. How far can you go north? You can only go to the North Pole, and then when you cross the North Pole, what direction are you going? South. What does that mean? That means that the distance between north and south can be measured. But if you are in orbit around the Earth, and you're going east, and you go east, 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 will you ever change directions? No. If you're going west, will you ever change directions? No. What does that mean? That means that the distance between east and west cannot be accurately measured. There's no way. You could continue forever and ever and ever going east, forever and ever, ever going west. I believe the Holy Spirit chose those two words to help us understand something. When you confess your sins and you repent, he will cast your sins so far from you that the distance can't even be measured. It is so far from you that that you can't even measure the distance of how close, how far away. That's how far you can be from the things that used to enslave you. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to pray for you this morning. But if you need to repent of something, today is your day. Confess that sin. Repent. And he will cast it so far away from you, it can't even be measured. The distance can't be measured. We want to pray with you this morning. I hope this... I hope that, that there's some nuggets today that have built your faith, that have infused you with hope and helped you to understand that no matter what situations you face in life, he is the master of every storm, and he can deliver you, and he will come to you. And so I want you to understand, monitor your mindset, commit to never quit, all those things. But this morning, I want you to bow your heads. We're going to have a, an opportunity for you to respond in prayer. But before we do that, I want to pray for you. 
if you'll allow me to do that. Because what our call is right now is to share the lessons that God has taught us and help other people be equipped to not only survive, but thrive in the middle of any storm. Before we pray, while your heads are bowed, if you're here this morning and you personally are going through a very difficult time and you needed this message and you need the Lord to come to you in the middle of your storm, if that's you, raise your hand right now. I want to know who we're praying for. Okay, several, at least a dozen. You can put them down. All right, if you're here this morning and you know someone, maybe somebody that you love, that you care about, that is going through a very terrible time of trouble right now, and they need this encouragement. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand because we want to pray for those people as well. You can put them down. Lastly, if you're here this morning and that last little nugget about repenting and confessing is what the Holy Spirit planted in your heart and you need to do some business with God, maybe if you're here, you need, you need, to, you need to confess something. You need to ask forgiveness. You need to let him reach down and pull you up out of that stuff that you're sinking into. If that's you, I want to encourage you, be honest with yourself and honest with God, because if you do, you will get victory. If you're here this morning and you need forgiveness for something, raise your hand, because we want to pray for that too. Amen. God bless you. Please stand with us all over. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see our hands. You see our hearts. You see the truth of what's going on in our lives. You see, Lord everything that we need. Lord, you see those of us that have been depressed, those of us that have been questioning everything, those of us that have been on the razor's edge of giving up. And Lord, you're calling us today. You're, comp you're compelling us today. You're equipping us today to never give up. You are empowering us today to not only make it through a storm, but to not only go through a storm, but to grow through a storm. You're going to help us to be refined to a higher level than we've ever been. You're going to give us victory we couldn't even imagine. And Lord, that will happen if we say yes to you in every aspect of what you're doing in our hearts and our lives today. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're going to have opportunity now. Pastor, would you come back? We're going to have opportunity now. If you need prayer, we, want, we don't want to just pray to preach the word. We want to be able to pray for you too. And I want you to come out of here in victory like you never had. If you're going through a storm right now, we're not here to embarrass you, but we want to reach out and pray for you. And I would invite you to come and just stand across the front right now. Would you, would you come? I can tell you that one of the worst feelings in the world is to feel like you're in a storm and you're, the, you're out there by yourself. Brother Greg, years ago, when I was starting a church down in South Louisiana, I supported myself catching crabs and catfish on a lake. I got caught in a storm in my little 14-foot boat. I was headed across and almost made it when two waves came over the back and sunk me and the boat and I immediately had insight to how Peter felt 
when he began to sink. And I remember screaming at the top of my lungs, huge thunderstorm, waves crashing over. I'm hanging on to the top of the boat as it's going down. And somebody heard me. And they jumped in their skiff and came across the lake, threw me a rope. I said, grab the rope. I said, pull me in the boat out, <laughs> you know. But they pulled me out. And I cannot tell you the fear that for those few moments out there as the waves were crashing, everything in my boat was floating off. And I'm screaming, thinking I'm alone. I mean, I knew God could hear me. But I needed, as 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 kid one sometimes said I need God with skin on <laughs> to come and get me out of that lake right then and I just feel right now that I want you to know you're not alone there's a purpose our brother just shared it. God has a purpose for it and we want to we want to pray for you and let you know you're not alone I just want to encourage where's some of the, the staff leaders come would you come step up come step forward a little further so we want to come stand behind you and pray for you real quick okay come on come on let's pray for them right now come on come on some of you how many of you been through a storm that God's brought you through come on you know what I'm talking about right Stretch your hand towards these people right now. Stretch your hand towards them right now. Let's, we're just going to pray. Simple prayer. Lord, let them refocus their vision. Lord, let them understand that there's a purpose and a perspective that they've not yet grasped. But God, they're going to come through this. And when they do, there's going to be a great ministry opportunity. Whether it's one person whose life is going to be changed or whether it's a whole family or a whole workplace or whatever it is, it doesn't matter, Lord. They're not alone. And they didn't come today by accident. They didn't come alone today. Father, in Jesus' name, just let them know right now they're not alone. They're not alone, Jesus. God. You reached out never and stop Peter's saying hand. You God, we reach out right now and just never stop them. let them know praise. they're not alone. They're not alone. And in blessing and in pain, they're not alone. You are not alone, In Jesus' name, Whether we you thank you, Lord, yes, you love us. You haven't lost sight of us out of the storm. But God, there's a purpose. Through it all, we want your will to be done to in say, our life. We want your you purpose to be brought forth, Lord God. Never stop singing your praise. Never stop singing your praise. And in blessing and in pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no, always you are worthy. Through it all, I choose to say, you are worthy. Never stop singing your praise. Never stop singing your praise. And in blessing and in pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no, always you are worthy.
choose to say you are worthy never stop singing your praise never stop singing your praise and when I finally see your face I'll cry worthy and when you wipe those tears away I'll cry worthy above every other name you are worthy never stop singing your praise I never stop singing your praise I never stop singing your praise I never stop singing your praise and in blessing and pain you are worthy whether you say yes or no to say you are worthy I never stop singing your praise oh I never stop singing your praise and when I finally see your face I'll cry worthy and when you wipe those tears away I'll cry worthy above every other name you are worthy I never stop singing your praise I never stop singing your praise oh, I never stop singing your praise oh, I never stop singing your praise I give you my worship you still deserve it you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of my soul I pour out your praises In blessing and breaking You're worthy, you're worthy You're worthy of my soul You're worthy of my soul You still deserve it You're worthy, you're worthy You're worthy of my soul I pour out your praises Thank you, Lord In blessing and breaking You're worthy, you're worthy Jesus, you're worthy of my soul Worthy of my soul. Yeah. And in blessing and in pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no, I'll wait, you are worthy. And through it all, I choose to say, you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise Oh, I'll never stop singing your praise 
when I finally see your face, I'll cry worthy. And when you wipe those tears away, I'll cry worthy. Above every other name, you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. Oh, I'll never stop singing your praise. Who oh, I'll never stop singing your praise. Who oh, I'll never stop singing your praise. I'll give you my worship. You still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my soul. I'll pour out your praises. And blessing and breaking, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy of my soul, you're worthy of my soul. I give you my worship. You still deserve it. You're worthy. You're worthy. Worthy of my song. I pour out your praises in blessing and breaking. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy of my song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Perspective changes everything, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an incredible God-filled week. We love you so much. Amen. Stop by at the table out there. Get a copy of the book. Thank you for helping give financially to support their ministry. We love you. Amen. Worthy of it all. You 